Welcome to the Financing Social Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week, I speak to people who fund and support social innovation in different ways. Grant providers, impact investors of various kinds, angel investors, foundations, family offices and more. They talk frankly about how they work, how they make investment, grant and funding decisions, what they will invest in or support and what they cannot. They talk about the pros and cons of different sources of funding, share lessons and insights, and provide invaluable advice for any social entrepreneur or innovator looking to build and finance a sustainable social business. From the financial impact perspective, we've thought, as I said, with this portfolio to take take risk. Um, and so we're excited to say that we're breaking even on, on the portfolio, despite taking a considerable risk over over time, so on a cash basis, and, and that's, I think, for the board and for our team, that's where we've seen success. We could have made other investment decisions that would have led to a different return profile for this portfolio, but that was part of our goal going into it and, and continues to be, frankly. And then on the social side, for for the majority of the time this portfolio has been in place, we've really used it as an additional tool to advance the foundation's grant-making goals. And so within sectors, we've been able to work with our program teams um, on how they perceive su- success from an impact perspective and then build those types of outcome measurements into our investments. In many ways, we have to work to try to transform the capital markets that currently exist and to do so in ways that help them or help that system kind of meet in the middle, if you will. We're not expecting uh, all of the capital markets to suddenly transform overnight. But what we do know is that with, um, if we are effective in our, in our approach, and not Ford alone, but all of us who are conducting this, this campaign, so to speak, whether it's through better information, new policies, all the things that I alluded to before, we might be able to shift how investors in the traditional capital markets value these things, whether it's through mitigating uh, social and environmental risks or through that mitigation process, actually see profound opportunity. I'm very pleased today to welcome Christine Looney and Graham McMillan to the podcast. Christine serves the Senior Program Investment Officer in the Ford Foundation's Impact Investing Program, where she manages Ford's $280 million program-related investment fund. She's also been working for the past 18 months as part of a team responsible for developing the Ford Foundation's mission-related investment program. Graham is a Senior Program Officer for Impact Investing and Inclusive Economies at the Foundation, where he leads the grant-making strategy, which is closely coordinated with the Foundation's work on program-related investments, and he has a particular focus on the development of market infrastructure for impact investment. Today we'll be discussing the Foundation's impact investment activity and its recent commitment to invest a billion dollars in mission-related investments to be phased in over 10 years, the largest commitment of its kind by a private foundation. This podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Echoing Green. Echoing Green drives social progress further, faster, via its Global Social Entrepreneurship Fellowship, now running for 30 years. Echoing Green's new Impact Investing Programme aims to bridge the gap between impact investors and social entrepreneurs to help build more resilient and financially stronger social impact businesses. You can find out more at echoinggreen.org. I'd like to thank you both very much for taking the time today to speak to the Financing Social Entrepreneurs podcast. Happy to be here. 
Excellent. So I'm very much looking forward to talking to you both about the great work that you do at the Ford Foundation and in particular talking about the impact investment programs that you uh, run and some of the latest developments and investments and programs that you have underway. Um, and I'm just wondering maybe uh, to begin with, if it makes sense, just to talk a little bit about your respective roles at the foundation. Sure. So this is Christine. Um, I, I've been at the foundation over 10 years, and I've worked principally on our program-related investment fund, um, which is a fund that's been in place for almost 50 years, um, through which we make typically more on the below-market rate um, investments to support the foundation's program initiatives. And then over the past year and a half, um, work as part of a, a broader team to um, support the development of our new mission-related investment portfolio, which will be um, a, a portfolio that's seeking um, higher rates of return, more attractive financial returns, as well as to advance the foundation's mission. And, and I would say to kind of distinguish between the two portfolios, the program-related investments are part of our overall program budget of which the grant-making piece is a component, and this new portfolio of, of mission-related investments will come from a carve-out of our endowment. Excellent. Yes, I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. Um, thank you. And uh, this is Graham. And so, uh, like Christine, we joined, uh, we're part of the Impact Investing Initiative, but I joined a, a little more than a year ago uh, to take on the, the market infrastructure building aspects of, of our work, um, recognizing that to connect capital for, with those that have it um, to those that need it, there is a fair amount of work that needs to be done on a number of dimensions, whether it be policy uh, or, or data or intermediaries, but basically my responsibility is to use our grant capital to invest in those particular opportunities that will help us achieve our goals. Excellent, excellent. Thank you. Now, Christine, you mentioned um, that the uh, program related investments and that, that this has been going on for uh, no small amount of time. This is not new. Can you talk a little bit about the Ford Foundation's traditional uh, impact investment activity or philosophy? Our philosophy with respect to the, the program related investments? To, to impact investment, what, what, what has been going on for many decades? Right. Yeah, you know, for Ford, this started in the late 60s. A, a program officer at Ford was really kind of put a question to our board and said, you know, if we look at our work and we have the, the grant on one side where we derive, you know, social impact, but, but it's 100% loss from a financial return perspective, and then we have our endowment, um, which is seeking financial returns but not seeking to advance the foundation's impact, is there something in between that we could explore where we could kind of achieve both? And that's what really kind of prompted the foundation to work alongside the, the Taconic Foundation and work with um, the government to actually put in place tax code around program-related investments. So that, that's what kind of kicked it off. And for us, it was an opportunity, as I said, to use a different tool outside of pure grant making as well as to work with a different set of partners, both on the ground in terms of having the ability to expand B 
beyond the base of only nonprofits to achieve our mission, but also to work with other partners on the investment side, so to start working with some of the financial institutions or insurance companies um, as partners to achieve our mission. And I think those principles have held true over the years. We've invested over $670 million in this portfolio. Um, we've taken quite a bit of risk because we feel like with this portfolio, um, that was part of our our objective was to, to take risk where others wouldn't in, um, in an effort to demonstrate that these were not only viable sectors, but viable investment opportunities um, and to really use um, this capital to leverage others and convince more of the market to follow. And so the portfolio is quite diverse and we've invested in sectors ranging from the arts to affordable housing um, to broadly community development overseas. Um, microfinance and and then kind of moving on to um, more development finance um, and so it's cross geography and sector and as well as type of investment so we've had quite a lot of flexibility whether we make long-term loans to kind of deal with issues um, of, of sectors requiring more patient capital to kind of testing application of private equity to achieve our goals so it's a very flexible portfolio Excellent, excellent. And have you any indication of the breakdown? You, you mentioned some as loans, some as uh, private equity and presumably some direct investments. Um, do you have any sense of, of different proportions there? It's changed over the years. When we, when we started, it was almost exclusively direct. And in part, that was um, related to the fact that there weren't a lot of intermediaries in the market. And so Part of our mission at the time was to create them. So if we look at our experience in microfinance or in the United States and community development finance, on the grant side and with PRIs, we, we supported the, the building up of a lot of the infrastructure um, for those fields. So whether that was the trade associations or um, providing kind of scaling capital to some of the, the top organizations, rating systems, et cetera. Um, to kind of build those those opportunities. Um, I think now um, we tend to invest more through intermediaries. Um, that's more, uh, more has to do with the size of our team. So we're a small team with a, a global reach. And so that investing through intermediaries is a good way for us to um, expand our investment dollars and diversify our risk. So, and then in terms of asset allocation, we're, we're more, and this has more once again to do with some sectors that we've been investing heavily in. So we, we're, we're more concentrated with kind of long-term debt than anything else, but maybe that's 75% of our portfolio and the other 25% is um, equity. Right, that's interesting. Now, you, you mentioned a figure of something like 670 million uh, that, that's been invested over this time. How do you measure the impact that you've had with this? Do you, how do you look at this question? Clearly, a question at the heart of the whole impact investment is different ways and importance of measurement and thinking about impact. How do you think about impact in, in this area? So from, I'll break it into kind of financial and social. From, from the financial impact perspective, we've thought, as I said, with this portfolio to take, take risk. Um, and so, we're excited to say that we're breaking even on, on the portfolio, despite taking a considerable risk over, over time. 
So on a cash basis, and and that's I think for the board and for our team, that's where we've seen success. We could have made other investment decisions that would have led to a different return profile for this portfolio, but that was part of our goal going into it and, and continues to be, frankly. And then on the social side, for for the majority of the time this portfolio has been in place, we've really used it as an additional tool to advance the foundation's grant-making goals. And so within sectors, we've been able to work with our program teams um, on how they perceive success from an impact perspective and then build those types of outcome measurements into our investments. And so each investment, when it's underwritten, has a set of objectives it needs to meet both from a financial and social perspective, and we track those over time. The portfolio is heavily monitored, so we monitor it quarterly and annually do a, a write-up on both kind of the financial and social performance of the portfolio. Right. And then to, just to jump in on, on and share an observation, I think one of the things that's been terrific for me joining Ford, having obviously, like so many of us over the years, admired what it's done and seen from the outside what's accomplished until you sort of get within the institution and really understand its history. I mean, we're dealing with an 80-plus year history here, so the, the aspect of time is different in many respects. It's, a, it's like a 50-year fund uh, that Christine is managing. And what's really compelling beyond sort of the metrics that she laid out is that it's really, um, if you look at the mission-related investment commitment that was shared uh, a couple of weeks ago and our particular focus areas around affordable housing in the U.S. and financial inclusion internationally, the fact that we believe that we can generate attractive returns to compete and contribute to, to, the, to, to the payout of, of the foundation, of, out of the endowment, in those particular sectors are fundamental reflections, not suddenly of our desire to go into housing and, and microfinance financial inclusion, but actually a reflection of a multi-decade commitment to understanding how those sectors actually work. And, and the, the very fact that there are intermediaries and, and, and significant points of performance data in those particular sectors are a reflection of Ford's historical PRI strategy. Um, you know, we have been a part of those sectors, have been deeply embedded and know uh, the, the dimensions of, of them and, and the key institutions and actors in them. And that has generated over that period of time an opportunity for us to invest out of a different fund with different intention. Uh, so I think that's almost, if you will, a third aspect of how maybe not on the front end when we first got in, uh, but certainly where things are today, what Ford's approach to impact investing has yielded. Right, that's very interesting, Graham. I certainly would like to come back to you on a little bit uh, on, on infrastructure-related uh, questions of the ecosystem and <clears throat> building that up um, and the importance in light of the you know the, the state of evolution of, of impact investment today. Um, but maybe a good question here is to get a little bit of background to this decision. Uh, maybe if you can talk exactly, as I understand, it's up to a, a billion dollars in mission-related investments. Is that over, I think, a 10-year period? You maybe talk a little bit about the, the background to that and uh, and, and why now, I guess. Um, uh, th th there are obviously things happening in the market. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the, the considerable uh, work that's been done on PRIs over the years. Um, but maybe just set the context a little bit. That'd be very helpful. Um, so I would say there are a number of factors that, that got us to this point. I mean, a, a key and important one is, is Darren Walker's leadership at the foundation um, and his desire to kind of put this as a question not only to Ford, but to the market. Um, for 
for foundations to look beyond the, the 5% that they're required to pay out in charitable investments each year and say, what about the other 95%? And so that was a big one. A second was the foundation shifting its strategy. So all of our programs focus on um, this issue of, of inequality. And so I think for us, it was, you know, not only looking at what we were doing on the grant making side to reduce inequality, but what we were doing as an organization. And so it, it led us to really take a look at, at our endowment. Um, third, and maybe fourth, from, from the market perspective, we were um, definitely supported by recent treasury guidance um, for private foundations in terms of how endowments could be invested, that um, they could take issues of mission into consideration in their investment strategies. And then lastly, as you said, this is a market that is on a growth trajectory. Um, there are not only a number of new institutional investors who are making commitments in this market, but the um, sophistication of the, the products that are emerging in the market is, is significant as well. Um, and so we, we thought it was just a, an important time for us to, to make a commitment. Great, great. Very interesting. Um, and you, 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 we, we talked a little bit about um, building on, on your PRI experience and it's, it's early days uh, with respect to the, this, this uh, commitment. What can you say about the kinds of organizations that will be that target recipients for these investments? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was, I should have added that to my prior comments. It was incredibly helpful to have these decades of experience as social investors in this market and to um, have experienced the changes over time. I, I think the difference, we, we will be investing through funds, so we will not be making direct investments from this portfolio. And as Graham noted, we'll be focused on, on two sectors, um, both of which we selected because the foundations had experience in them, not only as an investor through our program-related investment fund, but as a field builder. Um, through our history on, on the grant side, and, and um, those two are affordable housing in the United States and financial inclusion in developing countries. Um, so we selected those not only because of our experience, but also because they're, they're fairly um, strong markets right now for um, impact investing. There are a number of managers that have track records in place not only as financial returns, but have been able to articulate the social impact they can achieve on the ground, um, both of which are incredibly important. And then the third piece, which is really important to us within our, our entire impact investing work is, is supporting the advancement of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion, not only in our investment strategy, um, but as we think about you know, our grant-making work. Um, and so we will um, do our best to um, support diverse management teams who also are advancing inclusive strategies in, in the market. Right, right. Thank you. Uh, I, I certainly like to come back to the this the question of the funds um, that you mentioned. And I'm just wondering, uh, maybe Graham, uh, could you give me a little bit of a perspective uh, on 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 how you see the 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 market in terms of the infrastructure? It's it's um, as Christine mentioned, it's it's undergoing a lot of growth um, from from a pretty small base, I guess, in the grand scale of things in in, in global finance, but nonetheless tremendous momentum. 
and uh, important uh, structural elements will be required for, for, for this marketplace, the ecosystem, the, the infrastructure. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you see as important here. Berto, I think there are kind of two ways to look at this. One could look at it, and one really should look at it, both from a building from the ground up, so to speak. Uh, but let's, you know, which is to say, you know, those that have an explicit commitment to impact investing, deep intentionality, and sort of the parameters by which it was laid out roughly 10 years ago. Recognizing, however, that impact investing had occurred for decades prior to that, it was really in many ways the capturing of the term so eloquently that inspired this, this movement, so to speak. Uh, so there's the building from the ground up that has occurred, and there are a number of institutions and efforts that, that have created this momentum that, that you refer to and in some respects get captured in, in the Global Impact Investing Network's annual survey uh, numbers of roughly 60 billion or so. Uh, you know, so yeah, momentum is terrific. However, let's recognize that that, that is um, insufficient to meet the, the, the scale of the challenge that lies ahead of us. In many ways, what Ford is also doing, so we are being uh, uh, a good citizen. We are engaged with those institutions, those efforts. There, there are many actors that we're familiar with. There are peers, there are partners. We've been at the table, so to speak, with them for, for years. We also recognize because of that insufficiency in terms of scale, size, scope, systems, and, and all of that, that in many ways we have to work to try to transform the capital markets that currently exist and to do so in ways that help them or help that system kind of meet in the middle, if you will. We're not expecting uh, all of the capital markets to suddenly transform overnight. But what, what we do know is that with, um, if we are effective in our, in our approach, and not Ford alone, but all of us who are conducting this, this campaign, so to speak, you know, whether it's through better information, new policies, all the things that I alluded to before, we might be able to shift how investors in the traditional capital markets value these things, whether it's through mitigating uh, social and environmental risks or through that mitigation process, actually see profound opportunity. And I think, you know, in, in the circumstance of, say, renewables, renewable energy, you know, there was an initial sort of uh, effort when, when this emerged some time ago, call it a decade or two ago, it was really around sort of risk mitigation. But clearly what we see today is really significant profit opportunity that also has profound environmental and social impacts, job creation and you know, greenhouse gas reductions. And so I think what we're trying to do is both, which is to build from the ground up in, in the deep intentionality of the impact investing uh, sort of pioneers where, where they, we, they, we are at the frontier and laying the groundwork because of our deep intentionality, yet knowing that we also have to shift how the capital markets that, that broadly behave. And so working with big institutional asset owners and managers, uh, using better tools to help them understand how to price the social environmental risk, how to fundamentally understand the, the, the nature of what lies ahead of us. Because effectively, the very institutions that these big uh, investors are, are, are putting their capital in generally public companies, although not exclusively, whether it's debt and or equity, these companies themselves are acknowledging this new reality. And so if these investors don't understand how these companies are behaving, then they're not very good investors. So I, I guess to, to, to summarize, we're capturing it on, on both ends, uh, both the large scale systems level and then at the sort of demonstration pioneering case. Mm 
Excellent, excellent. That's very interesting. So, uh, to what extent um, will this? Uh, we're talking here about uh, the grant activity related to impact investment um uh in, in this interview but to what extent uh will this have any impact on uh four foundations traditional grant making activities i guess that's a question some people might have and indeed your traditional pri investing i'll jump very quickly but i think what, what's really important is the consideration on the financial side not only just in the program related investments but you know, as this mission related investment strategy gets rolled out there, there those are a set of questions that we've we've addressed but you know, on the grant side, I think, listen, the reality is investment capital is simply a tool. And to only have a strategy that we sort of use in-house, sort of capital for capital's sake, is fundamentally insufficient. Um, and it's almost negligent. Because, and, and this gets to our sort of efforts in, 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 in related to equity. Uh, how do we ensure that this tool and that the promise of this tool that the benefits accrue to everybody that's involved. And, and that, you know, on a thematic area, it could be driven by education, arts, uh, financial services, whatever the case may be, it has to be grounded in that reality. What are the impacts? What are the benefits? And how do we ensure that they reach the communities that we care about, that frankly we should all care about? And, and so we as, a, as an initiative, not only historically have done this, but really going forward as we sort of work to do the things that we seek to do, have to ground our, our knowledge, our learnings, our partnership across this institution, across the Ford Foundation, but, but with others as well. And so we reside, for instance, in a, in a group actually, Impact Investing is a, is a smaller program within a larger program called Inclusive Economies, which by its very name, uh, I think, reflects what it is that we are trying to do to, create benefit for the communities that we care about against this larger objective of, of tackling the, the drivers of inequality. So just fundamentally, we wake up every day thinking about the context in which capital must play. Um, it does not operate in isolation. If it does, then we're not doing our job. Right, right. That's interesting. Now, um, uh, Christine uh, mentioned um, earlier um, this question about being um teaching in a way not teaching that's the wrong word um how, what am i trying to say here um that in a way that you're you, the, well let, let me let me try and reframe this again um the, the this commitment is clearly a pioneering one and has uh, attracted a lot of attention um within within the the the, the sector and um mris are still developing they're certainly less tested less well understood and i think Christine uh, suggested that that is uh, implicit in, in your approach going forward in the sense that this is uh, something where you're, you're it's, it, I won't say experimental, but you're unfolding, it's unfolding in time and that there, there will be lessons. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, that perspective in the sense that for others, for other foundations, for others that are looking at uh, investing in MRIs over, over time or to developing the tool, how does that impact your approach to 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 mris sorry a little bit of uh, long-winded there but i hope you get where i'm coming from <laughs> yeah no that's great I, I i think when we talk about the social impact we want to achieve from this portfolio it's twofold one is internal and um, we want to use the investments to advance Ford's mission and our, our programmatic goals around reducing inequality 
Um, but the second is a, a field building role. We want to be um, in, in any way we can a resource to the broader market um, as a component of this larger strategy that we've discussed for impact investing um, to help continue to encourage other, whether it's philanthropic partners of ours or other players in, in the marketplace to think about different ways they can advance investment strategies to promote social and environmental goals. Um, so that's an incredibly important kind of second goal for us. Um, and so our commitment there is to just be as transparent as we possibly can, not only about the process we went through that enabled us to make this commitment, but our experience over time as this portfolio builds up. Um, we are, you know, as, as we said, this isn't a billion dollars today. It's a billion dollars over a 10-year period. Um, that's for a couple of reasons, but one is, is just learning for us as an organization. Um, we set out with these two sectors with a very private market approach, um, but we absolutely, you know, anticipate and project that this market is going to continue to evolve and there are going to be more and more opportunities for investors to engage, and that all of the work um, Graham does on, on the field building side will continue to make this market one um, that's even easier for investors to kind of advance strategies within. Yes. And maybe for, just to put a, sorry, to put a, a point or at least a comment, if I might be so bold, with respect to calling it pioneering, let's acknowledge the fact that we are not the first. For sure. Um, that there are a number of institutions by, from which we've learned a great deal, who literally were seated at the table as we thought about this strategy. So you know, we would acknowledge, for instance, our friends at Heron and Rockefeller Brothers Fund, among, among others. I suppose it's the size of the commitment that in some respects is, is pioneering. Um, and, and maybe the specificity and how we'll go about it. But, but please let's acknowledge we're not the, we're not the first people no. to do this. So I just wanted to be, to be clear. Yes. And we called on, on everyone to help us get to this point. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, what's interesting, I mean, in this, it, 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 while it is a nascent, let's just call it philanthropic institutions doing this impact investing because, as we know, it's a much bigger range of actors. You know, there are, is a level of sophistic, sophistication is maybe a bit, bit, bit of an aggressive term, but it feels more mature or nuanced than just in, philanthropic institutions investing it, because there are some peers of ours who have a real interest in sort of public equities and, and you know, sort of voting their proxies and shareholder advocacy around issues, which is a very powerful tool. It's not one that we're familiar with because of the way that we invest our, our, our traditional endowment. It's one that we admire and we're learning from and, and, and wonder if that may change down the road, who knows. Uh, and then there's the private market side, uh, which very much is one that we're comfortable with. So it's what's interesting for us as we've entered the fray is that we can actually put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and, and learn from doing um, and know that there are others in the swimming pool, so to speak, which is great because we wouldn't want to go swimming alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it does seem that um, there is tremendous uh, innovation going on. And I know coming out of uh, Silicon Valley as well, some of the new uh, philanthrop philanthropists and how they're structuring their investments and also the different kinds of uh, financial capital, the blended capital, and uh, this more full spectrum type investment, which uh, is really reflecting the different, the different fundamental differences in the the I guess investee organizations themselves and how that's changing. I know Echoing Green, I think, was it last year or certainly uh, last couple of years was the first time they had more for profit 
business models uh, being presented uh, by social entrepreneurs. And, and that's been something that's grown tremendously in, in recent years and, and, and has the promise indeed of, 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 of growing even more in, in the years ahead. Well, I also add to that, I didn't realize this, uh, Christine and I had a, the, the privilege of being at the Skull World Forum a couple of weeks ago. And one of the Skull Awardees, Baba Gona, basically that, they, they're actually not a grant awardee. Uh, it is, they are a, um, an investment from the Skull Foundation through a PRI, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's the first uh, Skull Awardee that hasn't received a grant investment, but actually a PRI. Um, obviously still a Skull Awardee in that in a prestigious class of, of recognized organizations, but I think to your very point, you know, things are changing, times are evolving, and and in, I think again it's a reflection of uh, of maturation, but still recognizing that we're way subscale relative to what we need to be doing. Yeah, so I think to that point, I mean, this is there are a lot of different entry points for this broad investment community to participate in, and for some where they're most comfortable may be investing in startups where the approach will be one maybe of, of grants and board seats and um, deep market expertise. Um, for others, they may be more comfortable with kind of a, a growth capital perspective. Others, they may want the more mature um, players. And I think that's what's great about where the market is today. We, we have diversity among those different not only um, – opportunities, um, but the, the types of capital that, that's coming into the market is, is diversified as well. Um, so it's not so dissimilar from a traditional investment um, marketplace. I think sometimes it gets characterized as a, a kind of binary, <laughs> you're doing this or you're doing that. But um, So I think we're, we're excited by that. Yes. Yeah, in many ways, the, the narrative needs to catch up to the market. Um, it, 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 the narrative is insufficient to describe the level of sophistication that the market is starting to demonstrate. Yes, absolutely. And then maybe we'll touch a little bit uh, in a moment on, 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 on the infrastructure again, because I do think that is an interesting question. But just before um, doing that, I'm wondering, uh, Christine, uh, talk a little bit uh, just about PRIs generally, because certainly they are a uh, they, they seem to be a very powerful uh, uh, vehicle, really, to support social innovation. And yet, uh, for various reasons, maybe they haven't really been uh, taken up uh, as, as much as they might. Do you see more potential for, for PRIs? And, and, and talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, so Ford's been at this a, a long time, but I would say we helped <clears throat> on the grant side incubate a trade association for philanthropic impact investors, which is now called Mission Investors Exchange. And when we when we originally made a grant to start that up, the the number of foundations engaged was, I don't know, around twenty five to thirty. Today it has over two hundred and thirty. So there is huge growth taking place in this market. Um, I think we're at an interesting point in time where more and more foundations, and whether it's, it's small family foundations or community foundations, I and mean, for Ford, we're speaking as a, a larger private foundation, that are really interested in looking at how they can advance all their assets to, you know, promote their mission. And so I do think there's, there's more growth um, and interest taking on. I, you know, for some foundations, um, 
engaging in, in program-related investments, I, I think the barriers have been, do we have the right staff in place? Um, if we don't have the right staff in place, what are the resources in the market that could assist us in doing it? And it's in, it's in the latter that there's tons of growth going on. I mean, the, the um, sophistication in terms of consultants and advisors, it's just on a huge, huge growth um, trajectory right now, which is very, very exciting. So I see nothing but kind of opportunity there. And yeah, for Ford, this has been an incredibly important tool for us. Um, we've, we've had a lot of success. Um, I think where we've, we've had the best, you know, we've had the most successes in these areas where we as a team have been able to, you know, really focus and, and build the field and build our experience and, and knowledge and been a resource to the um, groups we're investing in, um, whether that's supporting them and kind of building the market infrastructure that enables them to be as successful as they can, thinking through issues like secondary markets, um, you know, which are is a big still a big challenge for this this field. Um, thinking through kind of the, the leadership that's needed um, to to make these kind of investment strategies successful and pieces like that. So um, yeah, we've we've learned quite a bit and see lots of positive momentum and tons of innovation um, in terms of what people are testing with PRIs. And I think the recent IRS guidance that really made it explicitly clear for foundations that they can invest in, you know, co corporate structures outside of nonprofits, um, given some more clarity on, on return expectations and um, expanded the, the types of sectors and strategies that they could promote have all been helpful and encouraging and reduced some barriers that might have existed. Absolutely, yes. I had a, a great conversation with Jim Sorensen about uh, PRIs, and he's a great believer in 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 the financial uh, tools. Uh, and uh, it's uh, great promise, as you say. Um, <laughs> when it, coming back just the MRIs for a moment, and I'm just wondering, um, looking as you said, it's a program that that's unfolding in time over ten years. It's looking forward over the next two to three years would be the early stages of the program, I guess. What what would you like to see happen over that time? Or how would you evaluate a success if it's three years' time looking back? What would you say be a reasonable uh, expectations for for uh, this program? Internally, I think we want to ensure that we hit the, the targets that we've set for ourselves in, in terms of actual making deployment of this, of this fund. Um, and that we're investing in managers that um, are able to demonstrate an ability not only to achieve a financial but but a social return aligned with the kind of programmatic goals we, we've set out. So we within affordable housing, for example, we want to invest in managers that are really innovative in how they think about affordable housing. And um, for us, probably right now, a lot of that has to do with affordable housing in areas of well, we would say areas of opportunity where there's, you know, housing in proximity to good schools or good healthcare or <clears throat> good jobs and good transit. And, and so I think we're, we're looking for managers that, that have track record in, in both areas. Um, and then secondly, we, we want to see more and more, uh, at least of the conversation among, uh, you know, the philanthropic community and other communities, 
at least talking about um, whether they could think about advancing a similar strategy. As I said, that's an important second goal for us and um, that, that we'd love to see just more, whether, I mean, interest at a minimal and, and actual execution on, on, on the extreme would be great. Yes, it's a great vision. Um, absolutely. Um, talking just on, on one of the uh, issues here at the heart of this is, I guess, is the, the returns. And you were talking about how PRI's general uh, expectations of below market returns or not having expectations, at least of market returns, where MRIs would presumably have have closer, would have those market related expectations. Just wondering, uh, can you talk a little bit about this? It seems to be uh, certainly some people I've spoken to worry that um, worry that, that that the business model takes over or can often take over uh, the the impact model. So when investments are made and certainly when they get larger scale, that there is a risk that the impact side of things gets less attention, and um, with more traditional capital going into the social investment sphere. Is that is this something that worries you? So two things, just in terms of the PRI MRI distinction, PRI is actually just based on the tax code, their, their primary purpose can't be to generate a financial return. So that can't be, it doesn't mean you can't earn a competitive return on the portfolio, but it's just they're actually, um, from a tax basis, they need to meet certain standards. So um, just right. to clarify on that yes, point, and yes, those investments yes. can can be jeopardizing, whereas things out of your endowment can't be. So there's just different yes. tests associated with both products. Um, in terms of this, you know, impact washing, or, or I think a lot of people raise that, it was definitely raised as we um, started this exploration this is what I say. I think that that can happen regardless. I, I think as a philanthropic investor in this market, we are are going to be very, very diligent on that side. And we see huge opportunity for managers who are able to achieve both, um, where they haven't given up on, on mission. They're absolutely committed to impact. I, you know, so I I think that there are organizations that have proved and managers that have proved that um, they've scaled businesses to a point where they're able to, you know, as they're more successful financially, they're more successful in achieving their, their social or environmental impact. So I, I think, yes, is it, are there products out there that could be greenwashed or impact washed in some way? I'm sure there are. Um, but I, I think, my sense is that they're more in the minority than in the majority, but I don't know, Graham, what you would say on that. Maybe I'm interpreting your question in a way that's sort of, I don't call it unique to my experience, but one that I, I, I think, so let me put it this way. I, I think what the MR, the Ford's MRI approach is investing in has been well proven and tested and Christine framed out, how we have a good due diligence that will ensure, we think, that will ensure that the managers that we will work with in the sectors, geographies, whatever, that we will look at are ones that are, are, are tried and tested. I think often maybe in the broader landscape of social entrepreneurship and, and sort of the scalable solutions 
you know, dialogue where there are new models that have emerged, uh, new approaches to solving a range of different challenges, social and environmental, in that process of scaling and how that scaling gets financed, there are, there are a lot of pressures. There are trade-off questions. There are um, sort of decisions that need to be made where good governance and good investors and, 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 and a sort of a, call it a moral compass or an impact compass can help that institution overcome them. But let's be clear, they exist and they're real. There's a lot more investable capital than there is pure philanthropic grant capital. And many of these models have been incubated with either pure grant capital or a hybrid of grant and or concessionary investment. And, and that's just the nature of, of the beast. And so it, it, it will be interesting to see in more nascent sectors or where there are more nascent business models addressing different sectors that aren't tried and tested. Mm. Yes. That, those trade-offs are real, and those are hard questions. And, and yes. there may be circumstances where fundamentally you can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, that's, that's um, certainly, so that's uh, yes. Honest about that matters, though. No, I think yeah, and I think, I think impact is a, is a fuzzy term. It means different things yes. to different people. What it's going to mean for Ford might be quite different than yes. what it means to... I don't know, an institutional investor. And I think we have to get a little comfortable with that. And it's more about investors being really clear about what that means for them and then ensuring that they've put in place the right types of um, monitoring and evaluation procedures that help them know whether they're being successful at achieving it. Yes, fantastic. That's that's very interesting. I'm mean, just wondering, finally, Graham, whether from a governance perspective or from an infrastructure perspective, is this something that 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 might be uh, interesting? Some some kind of intermediaries, some organisations coming into play that might help there. Um, as you say, it's a very personal uh, question, Christine, and different organisations will have different, you know, better, higher quality governance and 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 focus. But I guess for the market as a whole, which is, I guess, what I was getting at there, yeah. Listen, I, I will. I will command. Will command our our colleagues at a Midyard Network, who a couple months ago put out a piece in the Stanford Social Innovation Review that really reflected the sort of spectrum approach uh, of of their investing experience uh, and, and the trade offs along the way and the, their experience of of that very compelling, powerful research uh, and evidence of their own investing, which matters. I think the reality is there is no binary decision. It is not one or the other. It's like anything else. It's a spectrum. It's a scale. If you look at the investment marketplace, there isn't one return. Uh, to suggest that there is is ludicrous. If you're in fixed income municipal bond, there, you can benchmark against that. That's a fair. Or you look at real real um, assets and or real estate prop. They have a certain set of returns there. So I think that's where we're getting to. The trick is, does the, the try, trying to put a value or monetizing the impact, whether by mitigation or creating opportunity, do we, do we cloud or confuse uh, the, the, the investor? I think we might be. Uh, that, to me, that, that question still needs to be uh, you know, debated. But we know that we have to, we have to align over time investment capital to solving these big social environmental challenges. It is fundamentally the calling of our generation 
and generations after us. If we don't, we have a real big problem on our hands. So to suggest that we shouldn't think about that, it, it's silly and it's irresponsible. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both. Uh, it's been great uh, to speak to you at this exciting moment with uh, these new developments in a marketplace that's changing and growing in, a, in, a, in an environment where, unfortunately, th this capital is needed more than ever. But thank you both so much for sharing the great work that you're doing and your vision for the future. And I wish you and the Ford Foundation the very best of success with this in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Virgil. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Financing Social Entrepreneurs podcast. I hope you found this interview valuable. Please make sure to visit financingsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.